And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is number 466. We are continuing our New Year's series, uh, new series, new year on spiritual disciplines. Uh, we're going to be talking about prayer tonight. Very excited about that. Uh, we have Mike Miller with us as always. Mike, how we doing, brother? Doing pretty good. Been just before the show working on my Van White. Guess I need to give book recommendations. So you're working on these things when you're. Yeah, that does. Was help. you looking in the mirror as you was doing this? Like no, I was doing it as you just as we were waiting. You know, like a little. Ah, I gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And then also we have with us the original, the one and only, Nathaniel Porter. What's up? Uh, I'm I'm just uh, I was sharing the link, so uh, yeah. Good news for you, though. My friends and my enemies now refer to me as Natty P. So I've uh, officially made it with uh, with the nickname. So, so one of your friends and one of your enemies is two different. This is not a friend and a friend of me, right? This is no, no, no. <laughs> this is a legitimate enemy. The uh, the main hag at the abortion clinic. So, mm. do they listen to the show? No, I'll recommend it though. Nice. If we might, maybe we'll get canceled. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we are in a big tech in a cancel culture. That's I'll throw it. Where we are. Just, uh, don't talk about the election getting stolen, and we'll be fine. Well, thanks for again. That's booted. Spoiler. All right, so we are talking about spiritual disciplines today because that is what the show topic is on, and uh, this is a series that we're we're in. This is our second week in this series. We're going to be talking about prayer now. Obviously, I want to add this caveat out here because Mike and Natty P has already done, has already, have already. I don't know. My wife could correct me if whichever one I'm wrong or yeah. right on, but they've done a episode on prayer dealing with praying through the scriptures. So we're not going to, we're going to talk about that here a little bit here up front. Uh, and then they can point you to that link. And we will also put that link to that show in the, um, playlist show notes. Well, the show notes, we could do that, but also in the playlist for spiritual disciplines because it does apply. And so we want this whole series on the disciplines to kind of be helpful for you and edifying for you, the listener, uh, because we want to see you as well as ourselves continue to grow in these disciplines, uh, not just at the beginning of the year, as we talked about last week, but as something we discipline ourselves to do throughout the year throughout our walk with the Lord. So Mike, why don't you talk a little bit about that uh, up front here? And so we can kind of move that to the side and then uh, let them know where they can go and watch that. So yeah, you can watch it. It's episode 442, which I always feel like was a couple months ago, but really I was like, like six months ago. Anyways. um, So yeah, it was, it was a while back. And yeah, it was uh, the premise. Yeah, the premise of the show was that you can revolutionize your prayer life by using the Bible as the text of your prayers. It's what would drive and motivate you. Easily done in the Psalms, but you can do it with um, the entire Bible, and that using God's language, like Moses did when he um, was mediating between God's people and God before he destroys them because of the, or acting like 
saying he was going to destroy them because of the golden calf. That you can use words, use God's promises in prayer to fuel your prayer life, to pray for other people, to pray for your own spiritual growth or the spiritual growth of others. And that you can use this even in if you're closing Sunday school, using your Sunday school, using the Sunday school lesson as the means in which you pray um, helps us. So a lot of that was kind of what we're going to talk about today is really kind of the foundation in which that um, comes out of it. Why do we pray the necessity and especially in relations to spiritual disciplines? Because we can talk about prayer in general, but um, we're doing spiritual disciplines. So it's applicable, but so we're not really going to be talking much about how do I pray in front of the church or the importance of prayer and church or something like that, which is important not to neglect that, but that we as people, as disciples, as Jesus taught and assumed we would do in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, we are the people of prayer, people who be going before the Lord in prayer. And so in addition to Bible reading, kind of connected with that, if we think about spiritual disciplines, those are kind of the main two is Bible intake, memorization, reading, hearing, and prayer. And so it's important that we, we seek and understand what does that mean and, and how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's very, very important that uh, we as um, believers understand the importance of this discipline. I mean, Honestly, if we was to ask Christians, and, and I've heard this stated before in uh, sermons by pastors who are who are giving this same um, example that I'm about to say, they said they would ask Christians, what do you think are the most important things that Christians should do? And they would say, read your Bible and pray, right? And then when asked, what are the hardest things for you to do? Christians would say, read the Bible and pray. Why is that? Why is there such a struggle with consistent Bible reading with consistent prayer? You know, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. So throughout the day, we may be interacting with the Lord. But what about taking that time, setting that time aside and actually spending the time in prayer before the Lord? Um, Those seem to be two very difficult areas for many Christians that struggle with this this idea and and why do you guys think that that could possibly be uh the flesh uh your sinful flesh that remains uh wants to do uh things that do not pertain to the things of god and so it's very easy to get distracted uh from your christian duty to pray and study god's word as well as the microwave culture that we live in uh, you were talking about a couple weeks ago about how uh, a friend George was getting off the Facebook. I forget if that was on the main show or the after discussion, but uh, and how his attention span was markedly increased. So the amount of time that we spend uh, staring at screens kind of cuts down on our attention span. I noticed that in my own life. Uh, and so when you're, you're you're not used to sitting there and pouring over something, 
uh, because you're used to swiping next and you can't really swipe unless you're just flicking pages as you read your Bible. Um, so it's very difficult. Uh, that added to the fleshly impulse to just skip it all together, I think. Uh, makes it easy for Christians to neglect that duty. Yeah, I think with that, because you they would say, you know, honestly, like, I want to pray more. Like, they see that and desire it. So I think some of it, and we talked about it last week a little bit, is making sure to plan. Do we plan to pray? Do we plan to read our Bibles? I think a lot of times in our culture, and I feel it in my own life, it's I get up and go, 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 go to sleep and do it again the next day. And instead of taking, planning out my time wisely, diligently for, to do these things and to accomplish everything else. I need to go. I mean, I remember it was a Luther quote. I don't know where it's cited. So it may not even be a real Luther quote, but Luther. I just read the quote in this Quaker book that I was reading. So, yeah. So yeah, Luther was once asked about, or it was talking about his prayer life, something like that. And he says, I pray two hours a day. And if it's a hard day, I pray for three. And we think about that. And that seems absurd, like three hours a day. Like, I can't even go like 10 minutes. And here is uh, Martin Luther going for 120 to 180 minutes in prayer. And I think that's, well, I'm not saying like we all should be praying two to three hours a day. Um, I do think a lack of planning is, um, difficult and i even think that goes into knowing what you're going to pray for having a list already made up of what you want to pray i mean the puritans would write their prayers that's why we have you know the valley of vision and and the prayers that and other books on puritan prayers so i think when we think about our culture we live in a culture of fast-pacedness and we don't take the time to consider the time of our day and to plan out when we should pray. And, and just in my own life, that's what I've noticed in my neglect. When I've neglected prayer, that it's because I don't plan to pray. Don't set that time aside. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things too, I would want to uh, encourage the, the listeners um, in is, just making sure everything's good over here, is this this idea, is, as you mentioned, Martin Luther praying for three hours a day. One of the things we had mentioned last week about Bible reading, sometimes when people do these Bible reading plans and they get behind, they feel overwhelmed. And then as you was just saying, you know, you think of Martin Luther praying two or three hours a day, and, and, and that makes you feel overwhelmed, like, man, these must be some really spiritual Christian. These must be the holy of holy kind of Christian, you know, people. Um, but you also have to understand, like you said, you know, we're in this fast paced living. What was Martin Luther? He was a monk. So some people are going to be able to have 
a little more time. We, we gotta, you can't put the focus on what someone else is necessarily doing and then build your type of spirituality based upon that. We do need to be faithful in our prayer. We do need to be disciplined in it. We do need to be setting out times to do that. Um, but the one thing I want to encourage you to not be discouraged by is looking at guys like that, the Puritans. And, and we look at some of these really godly men of the faith um, but we don't want to try to compare their lifestyle with our lifestyle and say, if we're not living up to that, we must not be as holy as these people. Because we must understand that God is faithful and, and his love for his believers is the same. It does not go up and down based upon how much time you're spending in prayer. However, I do believe that the more time you dedicate and spend to prayer, you will grow deeper in your understanding of God's word and in your relationship with him. If that all makes sense. I'm trying to encourage people by not being discouraged. Another thing, too, is um, I think I think how we think about prayer uh, really can can frame things uh, or be a, either be a help or a hindrance. Um, a lot of times we think about prayers like uh, I got to get down and make a bunch of requests on my knees and say a few few uh, praises and whatnot and and get the whole thing out of the way. But I, I find that a lot of times that's kind of like, uh, it's almost like the ex operata operato of the Roman Catholic church by the working of the thing, the thing works, uh, where it's a duty that we repeat. And, uh, by doing the duty, we expect to, um, receive grace from it. Uh, but what, if we reframe it and realize that a faithful prayer is really, um, communion with God like it's a it's a privilege to come boldly before the throne as it says but in in that instance through that uh means mean mean means that well anyway for through that act of prayer uh it is uh actually communing with God it's almost like in in the same way that we have fellowship with Christ in a mystical way through the sacrament you have uh transported almost in a similarly mystical way not mysticism, but mystical, uh, to the throne of grace, uh, where you're actually communing before God and making a communing in fellowship with him and, um, presenting it before that throne in, in a, in a sense. So it's, it's, um, reframing, uh, in our minds in a, about what prayer actually is. I don't know if I'm saying that in a clear way or not. Maybe if you didn't think so, you could help me out. In a mysterious way. Mysterious, not mystical, because mystical yeah, sounds like Okay. Yeah. I'm with it. And yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, we do underestimate that. We come to prayer, I mean, say, I guess we could say with a lack of faith. Yeah. Like I know I'm supposed to come to prayer. I'm told to do this. I mean, first Thessalonians four seventeen, pray without ceasing. Um but yet there's a sense in which I come robotically, unfaithfully, unworthily, and and how those and how those enact in kind of this wish list of things that God I want God to do. I think in 
you know, instead of having the understanding, yeah, as you said, that this is not just us coming to our father and some like a kid saying, I want candy, but that, and this is a way in which we have relationships knowing he is a good father and he's going to give to us, but that we communicate with him. Um, and I do think, well, I think Christians would acknowledge that. I don't always think that is how we in practice. And I mean, again, in my mm-hmm. own life, I see how that at times that prayer life has been dull because I'm not coming in a way that is worthy and is of faith. Yeah. And, and as you was speaking there, what was coming to mind is, you know, the, the scriptures, Jesus tells us in the gospels, you know, if you ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Matthew 7, 7. You're also going to see this again in, in more of the gospels. But then even James, the reason I think what, what happens is we look at that and, and it says, ask and it'll, and, and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. But then we, as Christians, sometimes we pray and we're asking God for something and we're not seeing the result of what we're expecting or asking for. And then we think, well, God must not be listening to me or he must not be answering this prayer. Um, And we have to understand that God is going to answer prayers. He's going to answer it according to his will. And that's what James tells us. You know, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask. But then when you do ask, you ask wrongly. You know, you're asking outside of the will of God. And so if we are praying things within the will of God, um, this is why I think it's very important for those to go back and listen to the show that you guys did. And we'll put it in the notes on praying the scriptures because it brings to mind you're meditating on the word. And I can't remember, remember the guy who it was from the book. It was the guy with the orphanage from the spiritual disciplines. He quotes Mueller. Mueller. George I think, Mueller. It, was, I think it was Mueller who he was speaking about. But he said that the reason he he was became so um, faithful in his prayers is he would get up and he would spend time in prayer, like mm-hmm. you're saying, like Martin Luther, you know, to to the degree I don't know how long it was that he was praying, but he would spend time in prayer, and he just did this as a discipline all the time in his life. But when he added and started to meditate upon the Word of God not just praying through the word, but meditating on God's word as he was reading it. He did that first. First, he was saying that he would pray first, asking God these things, and then he would go about his day. But when he started to meditate on God's word first, read God's word, meditate upon it, then go to prayer, the Lord just began to supply these needs for him, you know, and, and, I think sometimes when we're not seeing quick results, we're not really meditating upon God's word. We're not spending time in it. Um, and we're not seeing the results that we think we, we, we want to get. It can become a, uh, a discouragement to us. It shouldn't be, but it can become a discouragement to us. And on top of that, we look at so much of the abuses within Christianity that say, oh, you pray and you get this. Well, the reason that you don't have it is because you lack the faith. Yeah. And then, so again, it starts to put this yoke of this burden upon the individual, the Christian, when God's given us a promise. You ask, you will receive. 
But we got to have, we got to understand that rightly. It's within the context of you're asking within the will of God. And we will receive what is best for us when we're asking. Might not be exactly what we think we want, but God's going to give us what is best for us to grow us in our, uh, um, in our walk and in, in our, to, to mold us to be more like Christ. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really like that you, uh, brought that up about him meditating on the word that I find that definitely um, helps, helps me uh, in, in live and br- bring some vivif- vivification to my prayer life. Like I have this uh, journaling Psalter. And so like um, I like to pray through the Psalms and um, I find that if I go to the Psalm first and try to pray through it, it's not as beneficial as if I had just spent 10 or 20 minutes reading the Psalm, thinking about what it says, trying to figure out what it means. Um, additionally, uh, uh, in relation to that, I was, uh, been reading John and in John, uh, 15, seven, Jesus says, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want in my name and it will be given to you. Um, so, so yeah, I think that will turn up in us love for God, first of all, and then, uh, also that the things that would be needful for us to pray rather than uh, wish listing. I call it wish list prayers. But yeah, you, you're pr- praying the heart of God. You're, you want to pray his will after him or th- in the same way that we call uh, logic or, th- or, the, or the truth, thinking God's thoughts after him. You're doing this, wanted to be doing close to the same thing in prayer, I think. Yeah, I think and that's, um, you know, how you do it. So just in my own devotional life, I always start out with prayer um, and just asking, knowing the promises of God's word, like in Isaiah, that God sends out, sends forth his word and it doesn't return void. The promise and second Timothy three sixteen and 17 uh, that the scripture is God breathe that it's useful and it's adequate to prepare me for Christian living and to think upon those things in prayer before starting my Bible reading first off changes how I read. I'm not coming to it. I'm asking the Lord's help knowing the promises, which then, as you mentioned, allows me as I read to think and to, to consider these things using the stuff we talked about last week on Bible intake, asking questions that probe and to think, and then allowing that to just be the expression in which my list now comes out in prayer, whether it's for the nation as I read about Israel's downfall and pray just seeing in America for its leaders or even other people and having that, that shape that I can have my list. I can pray through it, but now it takes on different meetings. I pray for them in a different way and not to like rehash that all too much, but that's what makes prayer interesting and unique. And it should never be the same. If it is the same, it's boring and you get bored. It's almost like and, a, a vain repetition. 
Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a very real sense. And when you're bored, you're not going to focus. I think, and, and Calvin really plays with this when he thinks about the different rules and how we come and how, you know, not only we're to humble ourselves, but we're to come in some sort of um, piety and reverence and with faith because we are coming to the God of the universe. He is our heavenly father, but he's still God. And to, to think about the importance of what we're doing, that's why Paul says, pray without ceasing. That we live a lifestyle of prayer and constant communication because not only has God commanded us to do it, but even as an earthly father, I want my kids to be in communication with me and developing a relationship. And we see the same thing coming out through the means of prayer. And that idea that God speaks to me in his word and I speak to God in his, in prayer. Yeah. And I think um, what you just brought out there about uh, your own kids wanting to, you know, wanting to speak to them and then God, I think this also, if you're a parent, this should be, I know it's convicting to me. Like we, you know, we want to be able to teach our kids how to pray. You know, just like when the disciples come to Christ and they ask, teach us how to pray. We as parents need to be teaching our kids how to pray and and not so much. This is what I was kind of, as I was preparing for this program, thinking of not so much of my kids listening to how I pray, because that is very important that they're hearing me pray, you know, when we sit down at the table uh, and even convicting me that we need to do it more so within our family at a a devotional time. I mean, that's a given, but I mean, when you're just throughout the day, they're hearing you pray. If something happens, they they see mom and dad stop and pray for something. And and that's kind of been convicting for me, Um, but also teaching them, not just hearing it, because one of the things I kept getting as I was preparing for this and studying this and listening to uh, Whitney or reading this book is that um, it's it's all about practice. Mm-hmm. Like, I could watch a bunch of basketball games. That's not going to make me good, right? I can watch some of the best players play. if Unless I go out and practice it, I'm not going to get better at it. So we as Christians have to develop this discipline to set those intentions to do so, but then the best way of of getting through it and working through it and getting better at your prayer life is to pray. Yeah, and that's important. When I took the class with Dr. Whitney and he was teaching us how to pray the Psalms, he made us do it. He took a class, 15-minute class. We got in, we ready, and then he sent us out for 30 minutes or so just to pray the Psalms, which he did at every class as a demonstration. So not only am I, and you like your analogy, I'm watching, I'm listening, I'm hearing when he prays, he's now having us to do it, um, to instill it in our own life and how we do it. Cause that's kind of the purpose of the class as weird as it sounds to take a spiritual disciplines class, but it is to help us to develop the tools necessary to teach others. As many of us are there to 
be ones who want to teach in the church in some capacity, mostly pastorates. And to, to think about that, the only way to get better at prayer, as you said, is to do it. You want to lead prayer in your church. Well, to make it in a sense more comfortable, it's never easy. It should be a reflection of what you do every day. And to come out and to think about um, these things. And again, that's what it is. Because even like you give the example, Jesus assumes we're going to pray. We're commanded to pray. And so we should make the effort to be obedient to the command. Is that not what a Christian does? you know, to love others, but he also is called to pray and to go out and make disciples. It's within all of these commands. I think it's important that though he gives us command, so in a sense, it's a law, but that God gives us grace in it, that we can come to him with our sorrows. We can come when we're afraid and when we're doubting and he can be our shield our rock. He can be the comfort that we need in the times that we need it, or when the times are good, we can bless him for it and not to um, neglect it all knowing that this is done in a time in which we're in a war. We did a, a show on Ephesians six and the um, armor of God. Well, what's part of the armor of God? What's well, a devotion to prayer? And to pray for others and to understand not only do we have this privilege, we're commanded, but we're in a war. And this is what's going to, what God has told us to do to help win this spiritual battle. Yeah. So what, uh, that brings me to a good question. What, uh, what impact does our prayers have on the real world? Or uh, how, how do we ask that question? So it's, pretend I'm uh, nobody, someone who doesn't know a thing about it. Well, I, I think do, it's a good question because not even, I mean, being reformed in our understanding of theology, this is a question that comes up when you're conversating or debating someone or discussing, well, well, why pray? If God is sovereign over everything, if God is decreeing everything, why pray? I mean, even from that aspect, even if you wasn't a, a Christian and you were saying, what good is your prayer? Because, again, it's a good, po- it's a good question because we do hear it. Um, I think we've, we've heard it over the last few years when something bad happens in our society and we say, well, we'll pray for you or we're praying for this nation. And people say, you've been praying and what's happening, right? Why are you praying? So, again, they're not seeing things happen um, and... I think because we live in this kind of culture and understanding where we're looking for results, looking for results, looking for results. Uh But we have to understand that prayer, prayer is not us changing the mind of God. It is God changing us through that prayer. And he's bringing us into uniformity with his will through that prayer. And that's why I think these spiritual disciplines are so important of the meditating on scripture. Because if you're meditating on scripture, the spirit, what is the, that passage where it says when you're, when you're in Romans, I think it is where you don't really know what to pray and you're just groaning and the spirit intercedes for uh-huh. you. Romans 8. Yeah. 
And if, if you're meditating on scripture, God's going to bring to mind, the spirit is going to bring to mind things that are necessary, things that are going to bring you into line with God. Um, Mike, I'm sure you can add a lot more to that too. Yeah. I was actually just reading John's frame. I don't know if you can see him. He's back there on the, on the other desk, but um, he gives three reasons why we should pray, why it's important to pray. First is because it's commanded. Second, because of the communicational relational aspect. And the third is, which probably may be surprised and it's Sean frame. So there may be probably disagreement with it, but that, and I think we see this in scripture that God ordains prayer as a means to accomplish his will. And I mean, so kind of the example I always think of, um, and there's, there's more than just this one. This is just have it. So Moses is in front of God. The calf has been built. They've destroyed, he's destroyed it. And he's, God is like, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of this nation. I'm going to start with you. And you have this communication, this intercession there with Moses and Moses is like, you can't, your glory is on the line. You've pulled these people out of Egypt, telling them they're going to take them to the promised land. You're going to save them. What are the Egyptians are going to think when you bring them out to the desert and you slaughter all of them? Like it's going to tarnish your glory. And so we see in, in this and even in other with the prophets, when God talks about judgment, there's always the opportunity and prayer to rec- to repent and to believe and to, um, in in a real sense, not have God's judgment on you. And so I do think there is that God ordains because He's sovereign, and He has control of all of history and is directing it and has ordained it to its final end. But it doesn't neglect our responsibility and our interaction with him. Does God change? No, he doesn't. But that um, Christians can come to God in a a way in which to us, it seems like he changed his mind and, and answers our prayer. And then God's ordained and that means in that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like what you said there, Ricky, about uh, changing us through prayer. I think that's uh, like Mike says, uh, aspect of it. And then I like the uh, the point that uh, he added from Frame, uh, where where it's a, it's a means. It's a means of grace, obviously, to change us the prayer, but also I think it's how he dispenses uh, uh, his will in history, or or brings forth it utters his or issues forth his decrees through or works them out through providence. Um, a passage I'm always reminded of actually a couple passages in revelation five, eight, when he had taken a book, taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Then uh, three chapters later, another angel came and stood holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. 
Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds of flashes of lightning and an earthquake. So I think what we see there in that uh, those couple of passages in Revelation is, is, God, is we fill up the censer with our worship, with our praise, with our requests. And then through that means, uh, God unleashes on earth that uh, judgment in this case uh, or, or uh, dis- dispenses with his mercy, what, what, what have you, what for. Yeah, I, I think that um, de- God definitely has all things in his sovereign decree laid out. But yet, as Mike was saying there, the means of which. This is one of the things we, we recently just had a debate here on G220. Um, and I had some issues getting that uploaded to YouTube. That will be up. But um, one of the things that comes up is, well, what about the gospel? What about evangelism? Well, we, we understand and we believe that God ordains all things to come to pass. Right. But that, in, that includes the means by which to get here. And that's why I think it was very important. And Mike brings that out is that while right. we're not changing, it may, it may look to us, as Mike said, that God is changing his mind in something, um, that we're moving God. Really, it's ultimately it's God moving us. But it is also um, his means by which to accomplish those things that he has decreed right. to come to pass. And right. again, I think that we have to, as Christians, as true biblical Christians, and, and and I mean, I get it. There are some Christians who just maybe they're they're new to, to being a Christian or they're not in a place where they've been taught right when it comes to prayer, when it comes to gifts, when it comes to many things. And, and so they're struggling in these things. They're looking for... Uh, this to happen when they're asking for it to happen. You go to passages that like Matthew 18, where it's dealing with church discipline. Now that is within the context of the church, right? Cause I see a lot of people say, well, two or three are gathered together and they, they just dismiss it and say, well, that's this, but it's within the context of the church. It, it is dealing within, within the church, but it's dealing with church discipline. They're coming together in agreement and they'll say, well, two or three are gathered together in my name. There's Christ. We're, if, if we come together and we both agree, God's going to agree with our prayer. And they have these wrong ideas, these wrong views of what prayer is. It's, as Mike was saying earlier too, it's, Christianity is a religion, but it's this means by which God gives us to communicate with him. We're, it's, it's a relationship with Christ and we're communicating with him. And he speaks to us through his words. This is why I just can't get off of this idea of meditating on God's word. Right. Because think about it. If you're meditating on God's word and then you're in prayer, God is bringing those things to mind. Right, and it's right. as if God is, is, well, he is speaking to you through his word that you've been meditating upon, that the spirit is now bringing forth and bringing to your remembrance. So then when you're praying, as Mike was talking about, and you guys both talked about on that previous show of praying through the scriptures, it's not boring. You're praying through scriptures. You're seeing things and you start the spirit bringing things to mind. Pray for this leader. Pray for this. Pray for these things. You know, and and it doesn't have to be this checklist. It's just it just comes naturally, um, and and that's should not be a burden to us as Christians. We right. have to get beyond this mindset that that being a Christian is somehow a burden to commit this time to it. Is it difficult? Let's be honest. It's difficult. It's difficult. The Christian walk is not an easy walk. Um, spiritually disciplining yourself for these types of 
Bible reading, prayer, and the other ones that we're going to talk about, it's not going to be an easy task because there's so many things that come and try to prevent you from that. We, we do have to understand, while we're not charismatic, there are things going on around us that are trying to prevent us as well. That's why it's so hard. That's why I think when I was saying earlier, when I heard these pastors that would say, what what do you think a Christian should do? Give me a couple things that Christians do in their life. Oh, they read their Bible and pray. What do you think some of the hardest things Christians got to do? Read the Bible and pray. Why do you think it's so difficult? Because these are the most important spiritual disciplines that we have as Christians. Yeah, and I think when you connect it with, you know, Ephesians 6, as I mentioned earlier, we see the difficulty in it, the spiritual aspects um, for it. And you're just thinking here, I have the Baptist catechism because it's the Baptist catechism um, and we should read it. Um, question 105 is what is prayer? And it goes, prayers and offering up our desires to God. They have Psalm 62, 8. They could probably use the other ones. By the assistance of the Holy Spirit. So that's as you were mentioning in 826, Romans 826. For the things agreeable to his will, 1 John 5, 14, and also Romans 8, 27. In the name of Christ, John 6, 23. Believing, so Matthew 21, 22, and James 1, 6, with the confession of our sins, which we haven't really covered, and I think we, we should get there. That's Psalm 32, 5 through 6, and Daniel 9, 4. And a thankful acknowledgement of his mercies, Philippians 4, 6. And I think when we look at and maybe we should have done this earlier, kind of what the catechism says about prayer, that, as you mentioned, when you're reading or meditating, you might find sins that you're doing. You're listening to a sermon at your home church, and God is using the pastor to reveal your sins of maybe grumbling. A dissatisfaction. That was what um, my pastor preached on this past Sunday out of Philippians 2. Like having, you know, a heart of discontentment. And I think this is important and should be considered that even coming to the word, just as before the high priest came to offer the sacrifice for Israel on the day of atonement, he had to make a sacrifice for himself to be cleansed. I think having that same mindset, even if I'm going to study the word, I still have to prepare myself for this spiritual endeavor. And how do I do that? Well, I confess my sins in prayer to God the same way he, I had to confess my sins for him to save me. Now I come back to him for continual cleansing through his word as we grow in our sanctification, as he makes us holy. And I think, I think even some of the times when we think about it, we acknowledge that we're sinners. Mm. And I've had this RC Sproul quote since we started the show, and I'm going to say it now, but there's a sense in which we need to be specific. I mean, he was very clear in just all of prayer. We need to pray specifically. And I think this includes not only what our desires for God in our life, our desires for God in others people's lives, but even our desires to be holy, to see our sin, to pray for maybe specific sins we're working on and to do it. And all of this sets up 
kind of nicely for a little teaser for next week's show. How do we continue in fasting? Well, the, the word in, in prayer. And so to, to think about prayer in, a, in just a spiritual sense, in just my own daily life, to, to even come to the Lord, I have to confess because I probably haven't been as dependent on him in prayer as I should, let alone all the other sins that I may do knowingly and unknowingly. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, too, that, that's uh, very difficult. We talked about this last week on the program when it comes to Bible reading. If you know you've sinned against God, well, what is the first thing we... Not, not just what you were saying, Mike, like these sins we may not even be aware of that when we're meditating on the Scripture or the pastor's preaching, that they come to the forefront of our mind. Uh, they're there. But like when we know we've sinned against God, we we intentionally knew something was wrong and did it anyway, uh, or we we didn't think about it beforehand uh, and we just did it and recognize yeah that was sin, and then what what tends to happen? You feel this disconnection from God, and so therefore, well, I don't want to go and pray uh-huh. again. And it's 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 kind of ridiculous on our part because God knows everything. He knows our heart. He knows our minds. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we was going to do before we did it. And yet, somehow we think, I can't go to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness here and confess this because then he's going to know what I did. Well, he already knows, right? But for some reason, we have this struggle within us where we don't want to to, to have that. And it, it, it boggles my mind, you know, um, I'm not perfect in this, but it boggles my mind because you think about it, 1 John 1, 1, 9, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess it, right? Why is it so hard for us to then go and confess when we know we did something wrong? We, that should be a comfort for us to know that this guilt that I'm feeling, this or more so conviction that I'm feeling, you know, God will cleanse that away from that sin. But we're we're hesitant to do those. And that's what I think also hinders us from being committed to you know this discipline of prayer uh, because we're not Pelagians here. We're not sinless perfectionists here where we think that you become perfect. We sin, whether it's your attitude towards your wife or a coworker uh, or, or, or your job, things, things within your, your boss. Maybe they're asking you to do something and you just don't want to do it and, and you're, you, you, you respond poorly or in, a, in an unchristlike way. Um, it doesn't have to be something serious, like you murdered somebody, but it's little things that, that we do throughout the day and then rec- recognize that was sinful, the way I responded to that person or the way I responded to my kids or, or whatnot, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I even find I'll go to God uh, to pray about it because I know I need to because I know I can, because I do have that faithful and just high priest. But even uh, even sometimes it feels like a little bit of chastisement, like uh, whenever I willfully sin, it's, it's almost uh, like that. that's going to cause a fracture in the relationship. And it uh, talks about, forget where it's, it's when one of the pastoral epistles, maybe Peter, 
talks about uh, living with your wife in an understanding way and uh, how you guys know what I'm talking about, where uh, your prayers are hindered. Yep. Yeah. Your prayers are hindered. And I think that is like that with a, a lot of, a lot of sins. Um, uh, it's, some passages that talk about uh, when we have sin in our life um, where uh, see if I can pull it up real quick. Proverbs 29, nine, who he who turns his way away from hearing the law, even his prayers an abomination uh, in verse 13 in the same chapter, who he who covers sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them won't have mercy. So, um, just that the way that um, sin causes that fracture in our prayer life. Um, whenever I have sins, I don't want to confess them or I confess them maybe in a faithless way, knowing it's my duty or knowing like I should do this so that I can feel better, not like I should do this to heal the fracture. Um, it causes that. It says there in Proverbs 29, your, your prayers are an abomination. So, um, I think that sin indeed can cause a fracture, um, not just because we feel convicted or guilty, but because there's an actual, it's like if I, me and Mike have a conversation, get coffee together every single day, um, not Starbucks, um, cause Mike doesn't like yeah. Starbucks. Um, and then I walk up and smack him in the face and then I, then I try to sit down and have a cup of coffee with him. It's, gonna, it's not going to be a pleasant cup that day, probably till we heal the relationship, you know, um, the same thing kind of happens uh, with our prayer life with God when we sin. Uh-huh. So I know we only got a few minutes left. So what are some things that have helped you to pray Better. I know we've talked about praying, meditating, praying, but what are some other, I guess, tools you've you found and have used to help in this walk of prayer? Whether maybe a book, an app. Um, I think I'll just go first. Um, so I've showed this book a couple times. It's Richard Mueller's. It's a biography, Richard Mueller, Delighted in God. It's by Richard Steer. Um, It's an excellent biography on George Mueller because he was such a man of prayer. And the stories, you have, God blessed him richly. And so just hearing and reading his faith in prayer, um, a story that sticks out. There's a couple that sticks out, but he's on a boat to America. They're in a bad storm. The captain comes to him and George Miller tells him, it's like, look, it's going to end tonight. And the captain's like, well, how do you know? So, like, cause I pray to my God and having that, that it, it made me sound like cocky ness more than faithful, but he had a trust like, God's going to do this. And he was right. The storm ended that night. They had a clear sailing for the rest of the way to New York. Another, he has orphanages. Um, They had no food. He gets the kids. He puts them around the table. 
he walks out. There's no food. They're about to sit down to eat and there's no food. And he prays. And a milkman and a baker show up. Extra bad milk they couldn't use. They gave it to the orphanage and the kids were fed. I think when we think about, I think in church history, think about it. There are things, I mean, maybe not in the exact way that Richard Mueller experienced God's grace in these ways, but this should give, give us confidence to that God does answer prayers. And sometimes it seems in, in miraculous ways. And God answered multiple prayers for him, and maybe not in standing ways. We have the great stories, but he was a man dependent on prayer. And so I think just reading good biographies here, this one of Richard Mueller um, has helped me to have more confidence in prayer along with, you know, reading the Bible and, and continuing to learn about um, prayer and to, again, making it intentional with using apps to help me memory, to help me remind me to pray or even the prayer list at church that I'm praying for my fellow believers. You know, as you, you was mentioning that uh, what came to mind was Peter when he was in jail and the church was praying for him. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes knocking at the door and so, again, even in that, just grab comfort in knowing that sometimes you're praying and asking for God, and he answers, and you're just, like, so amazed. You're like, Peter's at the door. What? <laughs> Peter? At the door? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, and as you were saying that thing, Mike, you know, it's like, speaking of, of these God answering these prayers in these miraculous ways of, of God just providing, uh, it, it really is a, a testimony to trusting the Lord to provide. I'm sure there's there's times where he prayed and he didn't receive anything, you know. But I mean, just when when you read those those stories, um, and like you said, reading those biographies, it really does give you some perspective. It helps you to see that God is a God who answers prayers. That's another thing that can give us comfort in this, as you're saying. You know how how do we draw to 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 maintain or to discipline ourselves to prayers? One of the things I think we need to recognize and realize is that Christ is praying for us. Mm. He is interceding on our behalf. He tells uh, his disciples, or he's praying to God in, in uh, the Father in John 17, saying, I'm praying for the world and the ones that you've given me and the ones that, that will come from, from, from them. So he's interceding on each and every one of our behalf. Those prayers, uh, Nathaniel brought up Revelation, but that, the chapter where the, the prayers are just incense rising and, and Christ is interceding in those. That should give us great comfort. Um, some of the things, like you said, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, is the meditation upon God's word and praying the scriptures. Again, I encourage you to go listen to that program um, because that helps you. So it's not boring. It's something new. Uh, you guys talk about some ways of doing that on, the, on that podcast. There's some things that um, you can listen to, uh, sermons from people. A few Puritans here, you, um, Jonathan Edwards is a good one. The God who hears and answers prayer. You know, you can, you can find that on YouTube. Uh, another one is the Puritan view of prayer um, by Joe, Joe Beakey. 
so you can understand how they prayed. Because already mentioned a couple times was the Valley of the Vision. Such a great, great book of prayers, you know, written by these Puritans. And, and you look at some of those prayers. Don't let those intimidate you. You know, just continue to practice, continue to grow in that, you know, um, wrestling with God in prayer from William Gurnell. Uh, these are good sermons. You could find things that can really encourage you and help you to understand it even more uh, and have a deeper, uh, um, you know, a deeper understanding, a deeper uh, connection. I should say, I don't even know if that's the right way of saying it, but a deeper uh, grasp of what is happening when you're praying. Go ahead. I was saying, like a deeper conviction. Yeah, that's a better yeah. word. Yeah, I definitely think something that helps me in prayer um, is uh, getting to know the character and nature of God. Like a uh, uh, passage that I'm always floored by is like the trial of the false gods in Isaiah, Isaiah 40 uh, to 45, I think it is. And just seeing how vast and awesome God is, because um, we know that prayer isn't just asking for stuff. It's a, a lot of it is the, the um, praises of, of uh, praises of the people to God. Um, I think it's one of the earlier Psalms where he says he's enthroned on his people's praise. So, so um, just getting a high view of God and know who exactly you're praying to allows you to some freedom to like. Uh, be bold in your request, as it were. Um, uh, really good sermon I listened to by a pastor from Moscow, Idaho, lately. Um, and it was about the importunate widow um, talking about uh, persistence in prayer. Um, persistence in prayer and, and, and how the widow in the prayer, the God, God and the widow, were, or the God and the wicked judge were were alike in 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 the thing that they were alike in was that they sometimes don't answer immediately you know and so we're told to be like the widow who importuned god day after day or she importuned the judge but we're to importune god day after day persistently and so um and he says in that sermon that you never see jesus um Maybe that's in this Quaker book I read, but um, he does mention the the cat the 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 kind of escape hatch for that's like a cover for our faithlessness, which is Thy will be done. Um, I mean, you only see Jesus pray that one time in prayer, and that's in the garden. He doesn't. Um, the Quaker uh, that I'm re- had been reading uh, mentioned that Jesus never did pray that for other people either. You know, it's like, but I think a lot of times we use that as an escape hatch. Um, we don't see Jesus actually do that a lot. Um, we see one one specific instance of it, of Jesus saying, nevertheless, but my will, thy will be done. And rather, instead, praying like expectantly, um, expecting God will do something. He will use your prayers um, either to change your prayers or to change something. Even know to know you're supposed to ask and you're supposed to be utterly dependent knowing like the widow like if my case doesn't come up before the judge like i'm sort of out of luck like i'm sol and and um so i need to keep getting my case before the judge get it in there and just keep asking and so that 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 kind of has helped me to um persistently persistently pray and then another thing that helps me um to pray to god is um with 
we've been going through the catechism as a, as, as a small group and, and I have some of the questions memorized, you know, and it, and it reminds me of things to pray to God, um, to be thankful for thus far, because all we've gotten through the first uh, 40 or so questions was primarily considers, concerns what we're to believe concerning God. And so be, just be, to be thankful or to, to, to praise God uh, according to those uh, theological answers. Um, so there's like really all, all, all kinds of stuff. Anything that anything in the Bible that teaches you about prayer is useful uh, to helping build your prayer life. Like the, we talked about the censors. We talked about the importunate widow. We talked about uh, the Psalms. The Psalms is a Bible prayer book. Um, and then anything that teaches you who, who you're, about who you're praying to um, and what he's capable of is immensely beneficial to build, building up your prayer life. One of the things you said there, Nathaniel, that um, I was thinking about earlier when I was preparing for this program, um, and then it just completely skipped my mind until you said that, the persistence in prayer. Yeah. Um, how serious are we before God if we pray today, tomorrow, the next day for something, we don't see results and we just stop praying for it? Um, and so we have to persevere in prayer. Be persistent. Be consistent in it. Uh, if you're praying for the salvation of your children and you're praying and you don't see it, keep praying. Just keep praying and keep praying. It doesn't have to be your children. It could be your mother, your father, you know, an uncle, an aunt, uh, a cousin, a co-worker. But be persistent in that prayer. You know, um, if you really care to see that individual come to know the Lord, keep praying. Um and expect God to do things, as Nathaniel said, of what he's going to do in accordance to his will. Um, because how many times have we seen or heard of examples, I should say, where somebody prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. They died, but they prayed for that person. And then either at that person's funeral or a little bit later on in that the person's life, they come to know the Lord. Those prayers weren't in vain. You know what I mean? Or, or we hear that the grandmother who constantly prayed for her grandkids, right? Um, so those, 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 those stories are there, and they should encourage us to stay persistent in our prayers, um, like that that widow who just kept, you know, nagging and asking, being persistent. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of a lot of things we can talk about here in the discipline of, of prayer. I hope that this was, uh, encouraging to you. I think, I hope it was helpful. I hope, um, you know, you realize and see even us here at G220 radio, we're just trying to be real with this. We struggle in areas of these spiritual disciplines as well. Uh, we're not holier than thou. We're, we're trying to, um, work through to be more disciplined in our walk with the Lord, just as you are you know, in your walk with Christ. And so we are trying to grow as well. And so if this is encouraging and helpful to you, um, praise the Lord. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, anything you would want to add to the conversation, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you there. Uh, so please do so. So Mike, why don't you close us out, man? Any thoughts you have that to close out this program? Yeah, I think, I mean, the persistent thing is important. I had an elder, he prayed for his child 20, 30, maybe 
maybe more than that for his son to come to salvation. And he did. And that gave encouragement to another father whose daughter isn't saved and to pray for her daughter who is um, probably a little slightly younger than I am. And just having that persistence and, you know, maybe even seek some of these, but both of these, while they're, they're primary and they're important, they're only the jumping board. When next week we're going to talk about fasting and part of help being to fast, you know, argue, try to, to convince you of is that you need the word and prayer. That's how you get through fasting. fasting. So join us next week to see how this works out in probably the least practice discipline that everyone talks about in fasting. So everyone have a good week. We'll see you next week.